Come on, Hello and welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a weekly podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. Joining me this week to look back on the end of a losing run, David Forrest. David, how are you? I mean, that's a grandiose statement, the end of a losing run. Um, But yeah, I'm all right. I'm not bad. This is a podcast that likes to look on the positive side, David. Um, And back with us this week, Rhys Aldane. Rhys, how are you? I'm a lot better than uh, previous weeks anyway, put it that way. So, um, 65% back on. <laughs> and also back That's with my after... boy, Reese. <laughs> also back with us after a couple of weeks away, Jamie McDonald. Jamie, are you well? Yeah, I'm good. I strangely enjoyed the game, even though it was a nil-nil, which is nice to see some actual football game played. So, yeah, good stuff. Yeah, Jamie, I'll stick with you to start with then, the starting eleven. We were having a chat in the, the group chat when we saw it. I think Reese actually called it pretty spot on. He thought Mayo might sit in front of the defence. A couple of us thought it'd be a back three. What did you think when you saw the starting eleven? Were you were you happy with it? Graham was back in, we had Tiffany in, Turner was in, a couple more back in the bench. Were you happy on Saturday about two o'clock? Uh yeah, I was pretty happy with the lineup. Uh, like we said, I thought it was a back three with wing backs, but no, it turned out Mayo was playing in a kind of holding midfield role, which I thought he did very well at. And I'd be happy to see him play there again on Friday if we're sticking with that shape. I'm not sure what happened to Doherty. I'm not sure if he's got COVID, if he picked up a knock or something. Because I don't think he was mentioned by Archie in the pre-match interview that Doc was out if he was, or if he was suffering an illness or whatever. But I was I was happy with the team and I thought the team played pretty well. I wasn't sure about Smith starting, but I think he proved me wrong. I thought Smith actually had a pretty good game. I know he's not maybe been at his best recently, but I thought he did pretty well in the team and yeah, I was happy with it, and I'd, I'd happily see that team start again on uh, Friday night. Reese, what about you? What did you make of the tactical switch from Ian McCall moving Mayo into into midfield? I quite I quite um, liked it, and I thought it was quite a sensible move actually, because as, as you guys said, like I kind of put it out there when the team sheet got announced, I was like, I wouldn't be surprised if Mayo was playing in front of the defence because. You look at the games we played against Arbroath in, in recent years, actually, like they've just dominated us kind of all over the park. And obviously, Doc and Bannigan are so similar, and we kind of need, like, obviously, Doc being out and Turner's a bit more creative. You need a guy in there who's just going to sort of like shithouse it and break up play a bit. And Mayo could potentially be that guy, and that that'll, we might see that more often in the, the running towards the end of the season. But as, as Jamie said, I thought Mayo was excellent. I thought there was a lot of players across the park that had a really good day. Like as, as we mentioned there as well, like Cammy Smith. Like although we're quick to criticise him for not scoring, not making goals, not creating goals, but like if a player's putting his effort in, he's given a hundred percent, which I'd say the whole team did at the weekend. Then fair enough, that's what you can ask for. And as Jamie's already mentioned, it was a really good nil nil. Like it's not that often you come away from a game quite happy with how things have panned out. But I, I genuinely thought we could have won that maybe three 0 or something. But it was it was a it was a really good no no um, it was an enjoyable game and it's weird to actually think that but I thought 
I also, I also want to point out that I thought Keenan McKenna had a really good game. I, I know I put it onto it as well, but so often McKenna just gets slaughtered and it's an easy scapegoat. He's a guy that's a centre-half, been playing right back all season. Okay, he doesn't have the greatest of deliveries, but it was a couple of occasions he put a good ball in and you rarely see him, well, obviously the family game is a different story, but apart from that, you rarely see him getting beat like down his line. He was solid, wins every header. I looks he looks nervous and stuff, but he does his job. But you can't ask much more of him. And it was also really good to see Tunji back to his best. I know he's been struggling with confidence, but happy days. And although you, I think you could tell just looking at Brian Graham, he was wasn't he anywhere near a hundred percent. So it's good to be getting these bodies back. David, what did you make of the performance on Saturday? Did you think we deserved a draw? Do you think we deserved more? I think we did deserve um, more. Um, in all honesty, I mean, with the games we've had against our growth, I mean, since we got relegated from the Premiership, to be honest, that's absolutely our most convincing game that we've had against them, outside of maybe, what, the second half at Gayfield in the last game. Uh, as we said, we could have won it. It could have been 3-0. Like, you know, I think Graham hit the, they hit the bar like multiple times that it was... Um, there was you no know, at least three three chances from Graham that could have been in. Um, some of the deliveries in for Graham and that were, was really really good as well. And our growth, I mean, I, I was feeling the worst going into this because obviously we'd had the lineup issues and Kilmarnock dropping points. You're like, right, our growth will be absolutely ganting for this game. They they seem we've lost the last four games, and it's a chance to claw back two points against Kilmarnock. We were we looked like easy meat at that point, and based on our games against our bro this season, and to be honest, since we get relegated from the Premiership, they've always seemed our better. At the very least, our equal, if not our better. We've never looked the better side against them, and I don't know what it was. That they, they, I think it's maybe it's that they're they're a bit tired, but that that's that's not to take away from the fact that there was some really really good performances. I can know specifically was fantastic as well. I really, really enjoyed him. And yeah, there was just some great, great performances and really, really encouraging to go from that last 15 minutes against Kilmarnock. I was worried that we would kind of fuck about, basically, and go back to our old ways. But we we kept it up from the last 15 minutes of the Kilmarnock game and it, it gave me a bit of hope going into the going into the next couple of games. Other Another note I would say is <laughs> I went to the game with former guest of the show, Lindsay Hamilton of Glasgow Football Tour, she was doing a thing where it was like, you can, you know, you know those VIP packages you get where you can go to like a city for a big derby game or whatever, and you get like a weekend away or whatever, and they were doing that for the old firm game, and it was two Dutch guys who came with me to the game, because I just seen I just seen her on the Woody and was talking away to them, and they absolutely loved it. They, they thought, they were like, first of all, it says the atmosphere is far, far better than going to see Dutch football. Um, they're well, FC Eindhoven fans, but you go see PSV as well. But they were like really impressed by the fans and the atmosphere and stuff like that, and really enjoyed the football. They hated the pitch, but uh, they really enjoyed the football, and I, I don't blame them. Like it was, it was a very, you know, it was a good performance from us, and it was a shame we didn't win it. And I'm glad they enjoyed their day. That's good to hear. No, I agree with a lot of what you've all said about the individual performances. I can't actually remember three shots off the woodwork, but it was definitely side net and the top of the net being rippled quite a lot. Um, I, Brian Graham, even when he's at, what, 70-80% like he was on Saturday, makes such a difference to the side. I thought actually down the right-hand side with Smith and McKenna, you could tell they were so keen to put in a good performance, even though they were clearly low in confidence. But I think their their sort of willingness made them quite an effective right-hand side. 
Smith especially, I thought with his pressing from the front, he won the ball back in a, a few dangerous areas, even though his final ball was sometimes disappointing. It was the best performance we've seen from him in a while. And Mayo in midfield, as you've said, we've struggled to cope with our Broth's direct style. And that was as comfortable as we've looked against our Broth all season. I think Snedden only had a couple of saves and they hit the post from outside the box in the first half. But other than that, we were we were untroubled by our Broth in, in ways that were, were normally troubled by them. I was going to ask a question just because you mentioned about the right-hand side. Is that our most conv- convincing display down the right-hand side like this season? Like basically since Williamson and Cardo had that partnership, can you think of a time where we've had a, a more effective? Maybe maybe Ayr? Smith and McKenna. Ayr and Hamilton, no way. Smith and McKenna did have a good wee run of it in sort of uh, October-November time. I think McKenna had a few assists and Smith's Smith scored and set a few up as well, I think. I, I can remember, did Smith score a header against Air at, Air at home? And McKenna set one up at Air away. It was sort of in between the two Air games in October, November. I think they had a good run of it. But I'd say that was the best they've, they've looked since then, the two of them. Yeah, I think so as well. Reese, I'll come to you since it's been a wee while since you've been on the podcast. We've obviously had a few disappointing results um, as it stands at the moment. We are three points clear of Wraith Rovers, but we have played one game more. Um, they come to Farhill in a fortnight's time. Do you still fancy for the playoffs? Um, based on the last month or so, I would have said I can see us falling right away from it. But after that performance at the weekend again, it's, it's so party fistle of us to have a nil-nil draw and start feeling optimistic again. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But I, I do, I do think that that's going to be the game that decides it ultimately. Um, it's going to be us or Rafe who are, who are going to come forth. And I do think it's at home, is it? For help again. Yeah, I think we will do it. I think we'll beat Rafe. I watched their Challenge Cup final game yesterday, and they, they looked all right. But I was about to say that's against Queen of the South, and don't want to speak too soon about them either, because you know what's you know what's coming up. But we'll beat Rafe. We'll come top four by the skin of our teeth. We make it hard for ourselves. Jamie, do you share Reese's confidence? And you know the back-to-back title stuff when we went on that good run, and then I know it faded a little bit, but then we beat Inverness, beat Queen of the South, started to come alive again. But the recent runs just killed that, it's killed any chance of that. But I do really think that we we can still get top four, and top four is by no means a bad season. We're just you know it's definitely definitely not a bad season, and I think I think we can do it. I wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me. I don't this might not happen, but it wouldn't surprise me if we did actually end up sneaking third as well, because I think the difference between third and fourth will be like three points. I really don't think there'll be a big difference between who finishes third and fourth, so I think we could sneak third. That would be the best-case scenario. But we've still got, we've got a good chance at fourth, and I think we've still got a shot at third as well. And David, as as we failed to win on Saturday, the league title is now mathematically beyond us, you know, 14 points behind with four games to go. Uh, what percentage of chance do you give us winning the league now? Um, 66%, I think, it's still on course. You know, you have to look at the pros and cons and that, you know, the pros are we've been a lot better over the last couple of games, you know, against the well, last 50 minutes against Kilmarnock and our Broth and our Broth and Kilmarnock are slipping away. The cons are it is mathematically impossible for us to win the title now, but I think weighing it up, you know, 66% is probably about right. Exactly. We shouldn't let the, the mathematical impossibilities stand in our way. And we'll look ahead now to Friday night's trip to, to Dumfries against Queen of the South. And Reese, as you said, you 
you were scouting them out in the Challenge Cup final yesterday. What did you make of them and what sort of game you expect on Friday night? First half, actually, thought Queen South weren't too bad. It was as if they were trying not to score the amount of chances they had. Hit the post, hit the bar, cleared off the line. Um, and watching it, I was like, they, they are... And I've said it every time we come to play them this season, they're in a bit of a false position. I don't know how they're sitting bottom of the league. They've got good young players and they play half-decent stuff, but it, it must just be a case that they, they don't have the bottle to finish it. I don't know. Speaking to us again, but I... It'll be an interesting game. Um, we we need a, we desperately need a win, and it will kind of put us in the driving seat on a, on a Friday night on telly again. If we get that win, then I think we've gone under a wee bit of pressure to catch up with us. So I am hoping for a good performance. It'd be good to to of course get three points, but it'd be it'd be especially nice if we market with a good performance. Maybe get a couple of goals because it's been a it's been a long long time since we've scored more than one goal. So hopefully it's an enjoyable night. Managed to get some flexi time started so we'll not be missing the bus so I'm looking forward to it. Super. Now as you said it's I think I said this about three or four weeks ago in the pod the, the Air United game on the 13th of November last year was the last time we won a game by more than one goal and it was the last time we won away from home as well so it'd be good to put those two stats to bed on Friday night. Jamie what about you what are you expecting? Yeah I've actually anytime we played Queen of the South this season I've never thought they looked like a bad side I think I don't think they're the worst team in the league, but the, the table doesn't doesn't agree with me, obviously, and the table doesn't lie. But I think it'll be a reasonably close game. Hoping we can get that win. I'm reasonably confident for it after the Arbroath game. Before that, you'd ask me, I would I could see us easily screwing it up. You know, we'd lost to Hamilton, we lost to Dunfermline, two teams that were down that end of the table as well. So Hamilton have picked up a little bit. But I'm hoping we can just get out of there. I'd love a clean sheet, but anyone will do any three points for us and I'm happy. I can see it being a tight game, but I think we'll have just enough of it. And hopefully, Jakubiak comes back into the fold as well to give us another option off the bench. David, do you get any big plans for your day out in Dumfries on Friday? Um, and I, I don't know. I, I love going to Dumfries. I think it's a really great. It's it's a great it's a great day out. There's a whole bunch of different pubs and stuff like that. So I'm not I'm not entirely I'm not entirely certain what I'll do yet, but. Um, yeah, I'm certainly I'll, I'll be there for a wee bit before. I am quite excited about the game. We we generally, I think one of the things that's hampered us a little bit in converse to earlier in the season is that when we've been down in our luck, if the fans have become, become a bit toxic quite recently and the, the mood has kind of soured a little bit. But whenever we go to Palmerston, there's generally always quite a good atmosphere. It might be because everyone's just drinking their cans in the train and well-oiled and been in the pub or whatever. And, but I, I don't know. It just always, always feel like us away at Palmerston is, is, a, is a good atmosphere, and I feel we can get behind the team. And Queens are in the they're in the position that we were in all those years ago, where they they have to come in and after that the loss in the Challenge Cup final, and you you you, have, you wonder about how that can go because obviously you know losing a cup final is a huge thing, and you know it can be quite demoralising for a team, especially a team that are in tenth to try and uh, get get their heads back up for that. But then again, we also lost a Challenge Cup final and beat Morton on the Tuesday. So, you know, it's, it's swings and roundabouts, but it's interesting to see how they'll react. I, I would agree. I think, you know, Queen's, Queen of the South have been, no, i say be- a better side than Fairmont and then maybe even say Hamilton as well, you know, when I've seen them this, this season. It's it's one of those ones where it, it's the old adage of getting your points on the board. So, you know, games on the Friday or Saturday morning, whatever, in the Premier League are always like, oh, you know, you want to go top of the table and put the pressure on the other team or whatever. And I think we kind of need to do that to Rafe Rovers. We've obviously got a game 
uh, less than them. But you want to put a little bit of daylight so that even when they do get their game in hand, they're still behind us. You don't want to be sort of relying on results elsewhere. Get get the win here. You you create a bit of a chasm on the points going into that race game next week, and then you can uh, seal the deal and, and basically finish your job. Yeah, I think I think we would. Am I? Oh no, they still have the game in hand. But yeah, basically, we we need to win the game against Rafe Rovers, and I think the best way to do it is beating Queen of the South and putting a little bit of daylight between us and Rafe Rovers and putting the pressure firmly on them going into the Saturday and then going into the game next week. And yeah, I, I think I think we can do it. I think it's a good point about putting the pressure on Wraith Rovers because I think you've seen with our growth the last few weekends come on and have played first and got points on the board, whether it be a win or a draw, and put the pressure on our growth to, to match or better their results. And it's sort of affected our growth who haven't won in a couple of games. So I think it's a good point playing before Wraith is could work in our favour if we get a favourable result. I also want to come back to your point about the the atmosphere on the away ends, because I do agree, the last two games, on, eh, the last two away games, Dunfermline and Kilmarnock, it has turned pretty quickly in the away end, turned into a negative atmosphere. And we've spoken about players' confidence and some players being, being low in confidence. So I'm just hoping the bevy and the sort of familiar surroundings of, of Palmerston, where we have enjoyed some good results in recent years, keeps people in a positive mood to keep the, the team in a positive mindset because it has turned um, quite quickly in recent weeks. And I, I don't think it's helpful at all when that happens. I don't think you see anything good from players when, when that happens in the, in the crowd. So hopefully the fans can remain on side for 90 minutes on Friday night. Come around me now for score predictions. So, Reese, Friday night, Palmerson, what do you think? Uh, as I said, I'm going to say this is where we, we break the streak. What is it, six months or something like that since our last game where we won by more than one goal? Um, I'll say 2 0 and quite a convincing performance. Jamie? Yeah, I'm going to agree that we score more than one goal. I'm going to say we win 3 1. David? 2-0. Go on. And let, let, live, you know, if you can't, if you don't have a dream, you can't have a dream come true. We will beat 10th place Queen of the South. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll make it a full house, which I'm wary of doing. I'll make it a full house. I'll go 1-0 and I'll say from a set-piece goal. I count on a set-piece, which actually nicely brings me on to my next question, which is, which Thistle player do you think would have the best chance of winning the Masters? And I'll, I'll chip my answer in first, um, if you pardon the pun. Um, I'll go Kyle Turner because I think you see his his set piece delivery the way he can sort of drill a ball, keep it at very low height. He's got the the sort of shot shape that you'd need to, to navigate around Augusta National. So I think he'd have the best chance of winning the Masters. I'll open that up to anyone who's, who's got a better answer than that. See, I was just going to, um, I was thinking about that and I was like, I don't know, Banzo, I've seen him play golf before, but see, when you mentioned Kel Turner, I went back to watch, I didn't watch the full game, but I just skipped to the full match replay to see the challenge on Chris Hamilton, and then I seen at half-time there was a 15-minute interview with Kel Turner, so I just gave it a wee watch, and they were like, oh, what did you do for a job before you went full-time? And he said he was a, a greenkeeper, he worked at two golf clubs, like, just doing the green in that, so <laughs> he probably is a keen golfer, he says he's a member at one of them as well, so that's probably a great shout for you, Matt. I'll go to same Kel Turner. <laughs> I, still do I, I just want to ask. No, I, I, I'm going to go with Kel Turner as well, but I just want to ask, right, one of our players is a fucking greenkeeper. 
How is our pitch this bad? <laughs> Get fucking Kyle Turner on that pitch. Like it'll be it'll be a it'll be a carpet by next week if you get caught Kyle Turner out with a lawnmower. Like are you, I, I, I just take, taking the piss, man. They're absolutely taking the piss. <laughs> Kyle Turner's sitting there, probably got a bag of seed in the house and they and you know, they're just sitting there as far. Like actually when I was talking about those, those Dutch people that I went to the game with, right? I joked to him before, says, Oh, you're gonna see the first ever time you know, two teams playing in a potato field and they all laughs, right? I was that's quite funny. And then we went and sat down and one of them went to the toilet and the other one just turned to me and just went, You're right, it is a potato field. And I was like, Yeah, like um they, they had many comments about the field being a shamble. So I Kyle Turner, get get him out with a with a fork um on Monday morning and get that get that fucking pitch sorted. The pitch actually looked a bit grassier, I thought, on, on Saturday. Still bumpy and still rubbish, but a bit grassier. I want to ask a question that Rhys Jenkins has submitted to the pod, and it's a bit longer term than we've been speaking about today so far. So he's asked, assuming that no key players depart in the summer, i.e. Tiffany, and we don't get promoted, so he's assuming that we're going to be in the championship next season and we keep the bulk of the squad, what is the key position for summer recruitment? And Jamie, I'll start with you on that one. It's got to be a right winger for me. It's just something we've missed all season. We've put a lot of different players out there. We've had Turner playing the right. We've had Crawford playing on the right. You know, Murray's playing the right at times. We've had Smith playing on the right. McAllister's obviously come in. He's got injured. He's barely managed to make an impact. And we just haven't really ever been able to have a settled player in that spot. We've had people who have had good performances there, but you know, I'd prefer Turner through the middle, players like that, and I just think we really do need to get a right winger in. Reese, Yeah, echoing what Jamie says, like, it's glaringly obvious we need a right winger. It's been there for us all to see for the full season, and it's been spoken about so many times as well. It was a bit of a, bit of a mistake letting Joe Cardo go with no real right wing replacement. But I'd also like to see us um, strengthen at both positions at fullback. Obviously, there's been talk about maybe a pre-contract for uh, Harry Milne at Cove, that would be an excellent signing and hopefully um, I'd like to see a, a new right back because as I said, as much as I like McKenna, he's playing at a position. Um, I think Foster's probably had his days he's getting on now. Um, don't get me wrong, he can play the odd game here and there, but if another season I'd like to see us um, bring in a new right back regardless of Premier League or Championship. David? Yeah, full house here, right wing. Um, I, I think that it's definitely like the, the key area that we need to look at. I would agree with Reese about uh, certainly like right back again, like Foster. You know, he can do a job, but he's not. You're not gonna have. You're not gonna have it forever. And there is, you know, you can definitely get someone who can who can match him and probably better him if we push him out. And I think one of the key things going back to the sort of Williamson Cardo partnership from last year is it building a partnership on the right hand side. I mean, remember, remember when Kakai was here. Um, he, he he linked up really really well um, and like we do so well when we have that and with Tiffany on the other side if you can get a good right wing right back partnership that can work well together and make a wee bit of magic that you know sky's the limit at that point. Up until a few weeks ago I'd have probably agreed with you Reese, about both fullbacks but I was actually really impressed with Stephen Hendry on, on Saturday there I thought he put a, a few really good crosses in I think progressive attacking fullbacks as well we've we've lacked this season and it's been highlighted when when Tiffany's been out the side. I'd love to see Hendry get a run now for the last as it five games or four games we've got left, maybe plus the playoffs, to see if he can be the starting left back next season. Cause I think McCall's hinted 
that Holt is going to be the, the centre-back next season. So if, if he can impress in the last last few games, I'd, I'd like to see him start at left-back next season. But I agree, I think we need an, an equally progressive and attacking right-back for next season. I don't know what you guys think about Hendry and what you thought of his performance on Saturday. Yeah, yeah I, I agree 100%. Matt. I think Hendry's the unluckiest guy in our squad this year by a long distance because every time he's came in, I can't really think of a bad performance he's had. I'd say his debut... Funnily enough, away to Queens when he hadn't played for like the best part of a year, and you could tell he was rusty. Um, and he made that wee mistake that ended up leading to Queens' second goal in the Challenge Cup that night. But apart from that, he's been pretty good in every game, pretty solid defensively. And as you say, he's, he's definitely the best option at fullback when it comes to attacking plays. Pretty good crossing, probably the fastest and most attacking. So yeah, every week you know that he's not going to be guaranteed a start, no, no matter how good he plays. So I definitely like to keep him in the team for. For the foreseeable future, yeah. The only thing I would maybe suggest as well, certainly in terms of a team, maybe not necessarily a transfer target, but I mean, I was speaking to Colin Telford from the Only the Only Airdrie podcast because he was asking, he, he has a coupon on Airdrie even facility win the league, and it's pretty pumped now because of us and obviously because of the Cove draw against Airdrie or whatever, but he's been keeping tabs on it. And he was asking about Kyle Turner, about a bit, a bit of he's playing more central, is he out in the right wing or whatever, and like, I think I'd, I'd really he 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 agreed and he, he basically feels that play him down the centre and build a team around him um, and he, he can do absolute wonders. And I agree, I'd love to see him more as a number ten than the centre and have someone on the right. That's why you need a right mid to kind of complement that. And I think you get Tiffany Turner and somebody you know of of that level on the right mid with you know Bannigan and Doc behind them or whatever. Yeah, it, it would be absolutely fantastic and. Yeah, I think it's just one of those things where like, I'd like to see Kyle Turner get more of a chance next year in the centre as opposed to kind of putting him in these uh, round holes, you know, as a square peg or whatever. Like, I think he's got more to prove and yeah, I'd like to see it. No, I agree. I thought he was really good on Saturday. And you go, whoever was going to come in there, sorry. I'd say, do we realistically actually think Tiffany's going to be here next season though? If we're 100% honest. It's a good question. I, th- I think he will. I can see it going to January, and I was holding out for a fee in maybe January for him. We get like we get like buttons though if we. Go yeah, I've seen January. I've seen people saying that he's signing with Motherwell and all that, but I I genuinely I know we said the same about Rudden, but I would wouldn't sell Tiffany for any money, like Neither. unless it's crazy money because he is our main man. We are absolutely hopeless without him, um, and it's just it's just suicide if we sell them unless it's for ridiculous money no I agree I agree I was going to say when we went to the um, we went to the QP quiz night me and Matt and they were talking about how they were they were scouting at Fissile for, for players for QP next season we, we cannot fucking sell Tiffany to QP it's not happening I'm no not. The, the, it was the Queen's Park director of football and he was throwing shade about it he was like Oh, I was at the Thistle game watching watching our pitch. Or oh, if you'd call, if you could call it a pitch, and then he was scouting a couple of Thistle players who get who get crossed off his list after that game, talking about how they were going to be in the Premier League above Thistle in two or three years. Big balls for a club that have done absolutely nothing in, in any of our lifetimes. But um, just going back to Tiffany, I think what is different to the Rudden situation is. Uh, Tiffany's already had a go in the Premier League at Livingston and it didn't work out so you hope he might be a bit more patient with his next move that was Rudden's sort of first move up obviously he was at Rangers but he wasn't in or around the first team so that was his first move up into a first team in the Premiership you hope Tiffany sort of appreciates he's getting first team football he's the main man he might be a bit more patient for that next move 
you'd hope someone from the supporters bus to uh, come on it was saying that uh, Tiffany's well they, I don't know I don't know how they know they said someone they know knows Tiffany's agent one of these someone they know no knows I don't know how reliable that is but uh, apparently he's pushing for a move like his agent's really trying to get him a move great that's great <laughs> Just in general, fuck agents. Not, yep. not even just a specific <laughs> circumstance, just in general. Yep. Vermin, a lot of them. <laughs> anyway, before we get uh, agents in our case, I'd just come back to Reese's question. I think the the other position I'd quite like to see is Phil is like an experienced backup goalkeeper. I think Sneddon's had a great season, but I don't think he was helped at the start by Harry Stone. Uh, I don't think anyone's a big fan of the Andy Firth Twitch streamer move. I think just an experienced head sitting on the bench, keeping Snedden right, putting him under a wee bit of pressure, but keeping him right and keeping his level of performance up. I think that'd be a really good move for, for Snedden and the club if, if anything ever happened to Snedden injury or suspension-wise. We can like go back in for David Mitchell in the summer. I think we were meant to be in for him last summer, but I don't think he's even played for Hibs. So. Yeah, it's a good call. What's Cammy Bell up to these <laughs> these days? Is he not a director of football? He's retired. He's not like I mean, the director of uh, Man City or something. Fuck off, no, he's not. Mate, he's like an international, it's like Scotland scout or something for Man City. Like I swear. I mean, <laughs> Gary Caldwell was working for Man City for a bit, wasn't he? And then, uh, yeah, it's mad. Isn't isn't Austin McPhee now working like and like Ian Caffer were all working down south and like pretty big moves and pretty much. Uh, Caffer's at Wolves, is he not? He's he's been at Wolves he was, for quite a while. He was. Well, he's Austin followed. He's at Aston Villa. That's it. Uh, Cathro followed Nuno to Spurs but I don't know what he's doing now anyway David I was going to ask you the next question uh, you spoke to Craig Walker for the pod last week about the, the women's cup quarter Scottish cup quarter final on Friday night which they were victorious 4-2 over Hibernian just how big a win was that for the women's side oh it's it's unbelievable and uh, it's huge like the team like in the last five years have came on so many leaps and bounds from where they were Sort of when we get relegated, where where Thistle Women's team were at that time compared to now, it's absolutely unreal. We've made the most of getting promoted into the Premier League this year, and yeah, a cup run with that. And when we've historically been quite poor in the cup, the women's team we've not really had a run. But I mean, it, it, it's no it's no secret that obviously the women's game is not as well attended as the as the men's game, and you know there's the fans do go and stuff like that, but it's not. It's not quite the same atmosphere or whatever, but a day out at a neutral ground in a semi-final for the Scottish Cup. I mean, we, you know, we've talked about it in you know group chat and stuff like that, and people are talking about like wanting to go to the game, and like I think they need that catalyst. This is a big game for them, and then people will see what they're all about and want to get in. And for like for Brian Graham as well, his first management job, taking him in the Scottish Cup semi-final is an unreal achievement. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a really special day for the women's team and for Thistle in general, to be honest, the semi-final. But, I mean, Hibs are eight-time cup winners and we and we put them out and convincingly put them out. 3-0 up by half-time, um, you know, and then they brought it back to 3-2 and you're like, oh, here we go. You know, the bed's been shot again. We're going to... And then they, you know, 4-2 and they won. And, yeah, and especially with... Um, Demi Falconer. Did you hear about this record, that, or this stat that Demi Falconer had? this consecutive minutes. It's crazy. I, a hundred consecutive games. She's no missed a game, and she's not missed a second. She's not been subbed off in like a hundred games, and like having something like that at your club is like that is unbelievable. And yeah, um, I think that they have they're really really 
in such a good place and the cup, the cup semi-final is going to be huge and hopefully take them to that next level where people they're more visible and people see what they're all about and come on the journey with them. Absolutely. No, congratulations to, them, to, to all involved. That was a, a great result on Friday night and we look forward to the, to the semi-final. And speaking of Demi Falconer, David caught up with her for a chat earlier this week. Now I'm joined by Party Fisher Women's Central Defender Demi Falconer, who reached a milestone of 100 successive games without missing a minute Friday night in our amazing Scottish Cup quarterfinal one with Hibs. So hello Demi, how are you? Hiya, yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm, I'm all right. I'm, I'm excited to, to chat and so we'll just get into it. I'll start with the quarterfinal um, against Hibs on Friday. As we mentioned, the, the milestone of 100 consecutive games between Thistle and Stirling Uni, where you've not missed a minute, you've not been subbed off whatsoever. Did you have any inkling at all that this was a thing? <laughs> uh, no, not at all. I had I knew that uh, I'd played every game in every minute of this season, but I wasn't too sure how far it had spanned back. But it's quite quite mad when it's put into perspective the way it has been. Um so yeah, no no idea. It was funny because I was talking to Rachel Donaldson, who's like one of my teammates and she played with me at Sterling as well. We were joking about how obviously I'd played every game this season, um, but all along she was actually speaking to Craig about it and she, she knew all about it, but I was totally oblivious to it. <laughs> yeah, because I think, I think she played in the first of the 100 games as well. I think I, think, yeah. I remember Craig telling me about this, that she played in the first of 100 games and in the last, despite the fact he's both played for Sterling Unit at the time, it's a completely different team at the time. But no, an, an incredible achievement. We we kind of racked our brains to try and find that there, there can't be too many Thistle players who have done that. Um, it's an it's an incredible feat and one that is likely never to be repeated. <laughs> if I'm all in all honesty, I can I thought some prayers going out to Craig Walker on Friday, sitting there the whole time just hoping you don't get like you know, a bad tackle or, you, you know, is something and I have to come <laughs> off because I, th- I think it would have broken him, to be honest, if you'd, if you'd had to be subbed off or like 10 minutes to go, you're like, gaffer, I need to come off. I'm exhausted. No, 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 no. <laughs> no you're staying on. It's funny you care. say that though, because uh, I, I was in the second half towards the end of the game and I actually pulled up and Brian and Craig like looked at each other thinking, oh no, do we need to sub her off? <laughs> but it was, I just had a really tight calf uh, and but a wee stretch and it was fine. But uh, it was the way that I'd pulled up with it, you know, running back towards my own goal and everybody was like, oh no, because, you know, the amount of effort that Craig uh, and Tom have put into this to research it and stuff and they were like, please don't need subbed off. <laughs> It would have been. I remember when we done we done a an episode about the nineteen twenty one Scottish Cup uh, run when we won the Scottish Cup, and then um, there was one game where we played a team, um, and they weren't allowed to sub them off, and they got they got so many injuries they put the injured players back on oh, and just no. said stand there, and just be in the way, uh-huh. <laughs> and you can't do it. But that would have been you for the last ten <laughs> minutes, absolutely. If that was the case, just just stand there, don't don't do it, and just. Just stand there. <laughs> moving the way of people, aye, stand and until the, the final whistle goes, then we'll get the ambulance in. But, <laughs> uh, but no, 
obviously, you know, a, an amazing achievement. And another amazing achievement is our, our 4 2 win yep. against Hibs in the quarterfinals. So, talk us through the game. How did you think it went? Like, how big was it for? The, the girls oh it was absolutely amazing for us you know for us to reach the quarterfinals was a big achievement for the club as well um but to go that one step further and get to a semi-finals even better um but you know credit to all the girls because everybody worked their absolute socks off um in that game you know to go uh, the two goals and then i actually think it was three and then hibs had pulled back two and then you know a bit of a scare for us all because we were like are, are they going to get the comeback but Everybody dug deep again and, you know, we got another goal on top of that by Chez. So, yeah, incredible effort by everybody. And a, a semi-final in the Scottish Cup, I mean, that, that it's a, a huge achievement. How, how does it feel for yourself and, and the team? Like, are, are you looking forward to it? Is it a big day? Yeah, you know, everybody wants to get as far as you can in a cup. Um, and especially the way that obviously we got put into this league and everybody thought, probably you know that we're going to be a bit of a walkover but you know every one of us has dug deep and we've proven that we can compete and then obviously getting this far in a cup just adds to it a little bit extra you know it's going to be a special day for us you know we've made history for the club and hopefully we can go that one step further and then get to a final hopefully absolutely i mean the the, the group chat we're obviously in like group chats and stuff like that for fissile fans and that and it's been it's been a buzz with you know, people who don't necessarily speak about the women's team that much yeah. kind of getting really, really excited about it. And like, we've found out the draw today playing against Glasgow City, but it's a big day, a neutral venue, you know, four sets of fans there and really, really exciting. We're all planning to come along and kind of just try and make make a bit of that fissile atmosphere. Because I mean, one of the things in the men's team this year is that, that the fans have been really, really, really good at making an atmosphere and cheering on them on and stuff like that and having... Yeah. You know, even a portion of that at the the semi final would be an amazing achievement and really spur on you know the team and yeah it's it, it's it's a great you know, I mean the last time Fissel got to a Scottish Cup you know the men's was what 2002 uh-huh. um, against Rangers and we, we didn't turn up we, <laughs> we just we, we were but like people who went to that game eulogise it and talk about how big it was and even like players and that talk about how big it is and yeah like the Scottish Cup it's it much like the men's game and the women's game that that's the sort of it's the one dream that you have, isn't it? It's winning the Scottish yeah. Cup and like you know scoring a goal and winning it. It's yeah, it doesn't matter who you are, or who you play for. Like that's what you want to do. But no, it looks like so much a great, a great game. It's May the first Sunday, May the first at Falkirk Stadium, and yeah, I think it's going to be a cracking game. And yeah, you know the sky's the limit at this point. It's the old, no, it's exactly. the old cliche, you know. Yeah, when you get your semi final anything's possible at that point you've got that far yeah you know Brian's always told us with a cup run you know just go out there and have a bit of fun obviously to get this far you know everybody's like really proud of what we've achieved but you know we want to go that one step further yeah we're playing against um Glasgow City who have won this many many times before but you know we've got nothing to lose here we're the underdogs so um we'll just go in there with confidence from that Hibs game because everybody probably thought that you know we wouldn't come away with a win there but We've proven everybody wrong again, so hopefully we can add to that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, even Hibs, eight-time cup winners. Yeah. I mean, it, it should, you know, there's it, nothing to be feared no. because I mean, you, you know, you, you've put an eight-time cup-winning team out of out of the cup, <laughs> probably the second highest, you know, in terms of trophies in, in the women's game. You've put them out, yeah. so no, absolutely, there's nothing to be feared about it. How's your How's your season at Fissel been so far? Obviously, you played every minute of it, so you're. You know, you you'll have a lot of, a lot of experiences of it. How have you felt the season has went, and you know, for yourself and for the team as a whole? 
Yeah, I think the, the season's went really well for us. The whole aim for us this season was to stay up in the league. Obviously, we no, now know that there's going to be no relegation. Um, but for where we're sitting, you know, we're not even in a relegation spot just now. Even though we've got a couple games left, we hope to add a couple more points onto that. But no, we've had an incredible season so far. We probably actually think that we could have picked up a couple more points than what we've already got, put us a bit further up in the, the table. But so far, you know, we're happy where we're at and hopefully we can add a couple more onto that as well. Yeah, especially, you know, considering you had, what, how many games without a goalkeeper as well? Like, you know, that... Yeah, the start of the season those sort of crazy. games, like, you know, you're, to get still be in this position when you have that sort of setback as well, it's just it's just a testament to how, how good uh, the team has been. And, I mean, well, obviously, like, Brian Graham, this is his first coaching role. Um, how is Brian as a manager? Um, what What's he like? Yeah, he's, he's a great manager, you know, he... He wants us to do really well and he's always cheering us on. Um, he's just thistle mad, you know, he's got so much passion for the club and to obviously have like that passion on the sidelines along with uh, Doc and Stuart, you know, it really spurs us on. Definitely, I mean, we always joke about how Brian Graham, every time he scores, it doesn't matter if it's like a tap-in <laughs> or like a four nil. It's like he's won the Champions League <laughs> final every time. It's, yeah, absolutely, you, you can absolutely see it and like there's been lots of interviews with him just about the sort of the love he's got for the club and it's good to see him sort of instilling that in the team yeah he's the exact same when he's at the sidelines you know we score and you can look back on videos and stuff and he's jumping about going absolutely crazy so he's the exact same even at the sideline whether it's uh, obviously us scoring um, or just to Try and encourage us. The famous one is the the chip against Aberdeen last season. Uh-huh. There was one where it's an amazing goal, and he just shouts, "Why not?" <laughs> as he flies in from thirty five yards out. It's fantastic. It's, it's so good. So yeah, but no, you can see that you know he absolutely loves the club, and yeah, he's yeah. making the team. is certainly a part of the women's team with Graham at, at the helm. I think definitely, like he's, he's very much someone who gets the club and is instilling that in, in the players. It's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, definitely. Now, we had uh, Dini Cadiel on uh, a wee while ago and I asked her three questions. Um, Funnily enough, I did the interview and then I I listened to a podcast that said the three most cliched questions to ask players are X, (laughs) Y and Z. It was the three questions that I had asked. So, yeah, I know. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you the same cliched questions because we might as well we might as well stick a good tried and trusted question. So, who is the Joker in the dressing room? Uh, Oh, probably Rigdon. Uh, Cheryl Rigdon, you know, she's always up to something. Um, Wee Tegan as well, though, she can be quite sly, you know, she's pr- quite quiet compared to the rest of us, but, you know, she's she's always up to something as well, but definitely Rigdon. Rigdon's always trying to prank somebody or do something. Um, there must have been a little part of you that thought his shed when they were um, doing this at the presentation at the end, going, "Has Shadow set this up? Is this is this all a joke? The what, what's going on here?" Because <laughs> that's what I would have thought if somebody said, yeah. "Oh, what's Shadow done now? What's going on? Why?" You know, uh, who has the best or worst music taste in the dressing room? Ooh, that's a good one. Well, we only really listen to Kim Docker Cara's music in the dressing room. We don't really have much much choice, um, but. I'd, I'd probably say them still for the worst uh, choice of music, you know. It's <laughs> it's always a no. <laughs> it's always a Westlife song. <laughs> um, so yeah, definitely them three, and then the best taste in music. Um, I'm gonna have to stick with Rachel Donaldson just because I've heard her music and stuff at Sterling, and you know we're quite good friends and probably got the same taste in music as her. So Rachel Donaldson can have the best taste in music. 
And um, the final question I'll ask you, we yeah. get to the Scottish Cup final uh-huh. and, and you you're find yourself 10 yards out, two on one. It's you and, and a striker up front, unclear on goal. Yep. And the goalie's there. Are you taking a shot or are you passing it to the striker? Oh, no, I'd 100, 100% pass. <laughs> I, get, oh, <laughs> I get to the halfway line and I start getting a nosebleed. <laughs> I'm not used to being that far up the pitch. <laughs> Um, an honor, an honourable woman. Um, I, I, I've, I'm a centre back as well, and I can categorically say I would not be passing, and I would scuff it well over the bar. But, um, you know, that's why I'm not playing in the Scottish Cup semi final. That's um, why we're centre halves as well. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, no, absolutely. But um, yeah, is there anything else you want to talk about? Anything else you think you want to mention, or anything like that that we think we should know about uh, about the women's team? No, just obviously try and get as many people along to the game. You know, the the bigger the atmosphere, um, the better it and the easier it makes it for us on the pitch. Um, you know, we'd love to see more supporters there from the men's side. We already get quite a good support um, from obviously people's families and stuff. Uh, Rosie's mum's one to obviously point out. She's always there with her tambourine uh, cheering yeah. us along. It's, it's absolutely incredible. So if we could get more people along, then obviously it really encourage us uh, whilst we're on the pitch. Well, when we're all belting out Mary Hill is wonderful at the Falkirk Stadium <laughs> after we've scudded Glasgow City in the semi-finals, I'll, 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 I'll remember that. But um, no, but thank you very much, Demi. No, um, you. you know, congratulations again for your achievement and as well as that for getting into the semi-final of the Scottish Cup. And good luck for the rest of the season. If, um, if you want to help out the women's team, uh, there's currently an auction going on, I believe it, it finishes at the end of the, week- the weekend where you can buy various things, you know, you have dinner with Brian Graham, um, you know, signed shirts and stuff like that. And yeah, it, you, you can do it and it'll really help the women's team. But um, thanks again, Demi, um, and good luck for the rest of the season. No worries, and thank you very much. Anyway, the actual Partridge Thistle question this week is, as myself and David were at the, the Queen's Park quiz on Saturday night, what is the most useless bit of trivia that you know? And bonus points if it is Jags related. So anyone going to throw in a useless bit of trivia that they, they is stuck with them? My, my favourite piece of Partridge Thistle trivia is um, the, um, you, may, you may know this one, um, the Japanese Emperor Hirohito. Um Every time Hirohito came to Glasgow, eh, we won a cup. So he came in 1921 and 1971. And those are the only two times he came. Every time Hirohito came to eh, Glasgow, we won a cup. And I think that we really should honour the um, the memory of Emperor Showa and scatter his ashes in the Jackie Husband stand. And then we'll win the cups. We'll just basically be Celtic and win, like, you know, quadruple trebles and stuff like that. So... 
Um, yeah, Hiro Hirohito is a Jags fan. Probably, probably heavily cancelled. That's a, that's a huge understatement. He was the head of the the Japanese army in World War Two. Um, <laughs> uh, cancel culture takes another victim in for Hirohito. But um, yeah, I um, he, he loved the Jags. Rhys. Uh, mate, see, I love stuff like this again but see when you mentioned that question to us my mind was blank but I mean I'll try and keep it fussy related it's not even a, a wild start, a wild bit of trivia like David's one um, but I always think it's mad that like we've won eight league titles in our history and Alan Archibald's won four of those league titles with us I think that's a class stat guys won half of the league titles in our history get him in the Hall of Fame this is your chance of all these years of all the so stats. Many, so many stupid stats to pick from. So I'll try to think of uh, some stat that I've not mentioned. Right. Uh, but right, when we got back into the Premiership, it took us until December 2016 for a single free kick to be scored by either home or away team at Far Hill. And it was Callum Booth that did it against Dundee. We won 1 2 0. Booth scored, and then Dylan scored the second one. It's a wee fun fact for you. So we have about three years of a free kick being scored at foul. Yeah, not a single one. <laughs> what the hell? I remember that night because Callum Booth produced the worst ever knee slide you'll ever see right into the centre of the Jack Elton centre. No, I don't have any Thistle, thistle trivia because they started winning when the last series of Doctor Who came on and that ruined that stat that I was dining out on for about four years. But... Uh, and music, uh, this I, I heard this about ten years ago, and I've never bothered to check if it's true, but I've just told it as if it is, and find it quite interesting. That Keen were the first ever band to get a, a UK number one who don't have a guitarist or a bass player in their band. Ah, there you go. That's, that's good yeah. to know. I have another. Um, I, I did quite enjoy um, during the during the lockdown when we, we played that game against BSE Glasgow. And I figured out that there was literal children conceived and born in the time since we last won a game. Um, it was like it was like November. I think it was in November and um, uh, November December or whatever. And then we went. We were on a really really bad run. And then we started drawing games, but never won one. And then it was obviously like five months without games. And then yeah, I think. It, you, I, I was looking up like the the gestation cycle of humans just to check had had a Wayne been born in that time yet and and I had um yes yeah, so there there are Waynes that we should we should find them in like eighteen years you remember like that program Child of Our Time where they like interview Waynes oh, that were born in that but we'll interview like Waynes who were born in the in the who were conceived and born in the period when Chris just didn't win for nine months I think that's that's a good pod I can I'll do another one just because I do love a do love a random stat so I've got to go with two. Um, in our five-year stint in the Premiership, this is, this is kind of mad, actually, but uh, you know, obviously we were known for conceding late goals and it was horrendous to watch, but you know, after the 85th minute, we conceded on a whopping 25 different occasions after the 85th minute to go on to drop points. So we conceded more than 25 times after the 85th minute, but we conceded 25 separate times after the 85th minute to go on to drop points in those five years. Oh, so it wasn't even. Oh, yeah. So like, it's just we've dropped points. It was twenty five yeah, times. So like, other times it'd be like three and a half. But we conceded twenty five times to go on to drop points after the eighty fifth minute. How many games did we play in the top flight? Thirty eight times five. So that's a hundred and. It's that's a hundred and ninety five. One hundred ninety. I think. I hundred ninety. 
Uh, so we're conceding about one every seven or eight games in the last five minutes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> doesn't surprise me either, but... Save us, Hirohito. You're our only hope. <laughs> and on that note, uh, Jamie, David, Reese, thank you for joining me this week. And thank you for listening to this episode of Draw, Lose or Draw. We'll be back next week to look back on hopefully a win at Palmerston and to look ahead to what is looking like a huge game at Furhill against Wraith Rovers. In the meantime, stay safe.